The following is a presentation of Muddy River News. Anyway. This is like in your face, though. I feel. How's that? Yeah, it's better. Better? Yeah. Okay. There we go. It was covering your beautiful face. Aww. You can't have that. Aww. You can't have that. Yeah. Aww. It's a very busy time around here with basketball season, and we decide that we basically turn the news department into the sports department for the most part. Well, at least half of it. Because we've got guys out and about as we're doing this Thursday, uh, just because we've got all kinds of postseason basketball. So, but then I get to stick around and do new stuff. Yeah. I had volunteered to do some basketball stuff. I don't think my, Matt likes me covering sports, although I can <laughs> do it just fine. So, no, I'm just kidding. But So, anyway, so I'm going to head to the Oakley Lindsay Center, and people mm-hmm. can read about this as this goes today, as they're having a big open house about the Quincy Bay Project, yeah. which is a really big deal. Very big deal. $32 million to basically clean up the upper part of the bay. Make it so, you know, the boats can actually get through. They'll do the dredging. They'll make it so the habitat can uh, come there. Birds, fish, all the, you know, all the wildlife. Mm-hmm. So it's a great, it is a great project. And this was, again, this was a $32 million federal project that came about. And uh, a lot of people have been working on it for a long time. Long time. And I was on the park board when we uh, did some stuff with it and kind of helped push the ball down the field. So it's, it's an important project to me personally because I... Again, I think it's something that can be really beneficial. Now, it is not connected in any way, shape, or form with the Riverfront Project. They are two completely different things. Yeah. But the Bay Project can help the Riverfront Project if when they do the corrections to slow the sedimentation in the Bay, the Bay doesn't fill up as fast, and then the marina and then the Riverfront area can be more navigable. So they are not directly connected, but the Riverfront Project can benefit so so i've seen a couple of things online and maybe it's just uh human nature these days to uh fight about things but it seems like there are of course two sides to the camp what is the negative here well there's just always the people who are like oh my god don't take any money from the government i mean there's those people well i mean i'm kind of like that too (laughs) but i think if you're gonna take money you know no i think the riverfront, uh, notwithstanding the the riverfront restoration and beautification, not but that has been a necessary project for a long, long time. Right. I think, right? Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, I was a river rat for many, many years, and it got to the point where you couldn't even. Right. I mean, the marina was inaccessible. You couldn't go. Um, you couldn't even get back there. Yeah. Right. So I guess I'm just outside of well we shouldn't take money from the government what is the what are the naysayers saying something in the past because you i i do read a lot where people say well that's already you know we've already tried that i don't know like what is is that no it's a different it's a different project and basically when they created the cut through or they closed the cut through that's when the problem happened they have to close the cut through when they created that that's when the sedimentation problem came in there's a cut through up on the north side so what you want to do is you want to stem the river's tide there by building this chain of islands uh that will uh (laughs) slow that down sorry i'm like this is all science you lost us at the uh so river flows flows south got it Uh and and river flows fast south Uh so if you quick water dig up dirt Mm-hmm. and muck and yuck and build artificial mountain or uh, islands uh-huh. then the water doesn't go as fast water hit island yeah water slow water down slow. Mm-hmm. bay not fill up with muck fast okay mm-hmm. anymore 
Okay. Did, and this did is, I bill nigh that enough for you? Yeah. Right. Thank you. Yeah, You're that welcome. was a really, uh, yeah, in layman's term. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Because I think a lot of, before you were doing, we were like, <laughs> what? No, but I think maybe that's why a lot of people are like, what the hell? Why? Yeah. Because a lot of fancy words are being thrown around. People who aren't associated with uh, river boating life. or riverfront or, yeah, river life in general, don't really understand what the importance is and why we would do it outside of trying to uh, reattract boaters. I know you mentioned wildlife and, uh, which Hunters of course is, and fishermen right, and which all I am all about. Mm-hmm. I mean, if nothing else, yeah hunting fishing that is a huge uh mainstay in this area and i think if we can't if we can uh help bring more of that mm-hmm. i think that's a great idea right that's uh, that's yeah butts and seats heads and beds and uh exactly. also the boating the boating life that i referred to earlier has been non-existent now i know the the river isn't maybe as safe as it once was but Maybe this will help. I don't understand. But again, it yeah. goes back to the filling of the bay and the having to dredge it and the problems of getting in and out of the marina. It's all that. You know, have all the people who have decided, I'm going to go do my boating at Lake of the Ozarks. Or I'm going to go do my boating sure. at Mark Twain Lake. But, you know, you go down to Grafton or you go down to Louisiana, Missouri, and then you go up the uh, Illinois River to the Botel. I mean, there's still a very active community down there. Yeah. And if they can just fix the sedimentation problem, make it more accessible, and that's when you can get a higher boat, you can get more of a boat population back. Now, now I have remember they, has that ship sailed? Haha, ha, no pun intended. Right. <laughs> so I remember a while ago, but not in the two... Uh, you know, far past, there was a private group of boaters that came together and were like, you know, if nobody's going to do anything about this, we need to get together. Is that had well, played any part in this? The Quincy Boat Club has has been involved. Um, I know there's been some discussions about the future of the marina, which is still a little up in the air. But the boat club has been a little more active and involved. The boat club's been uh, involved in this process. I think they've had a representative on the the board that has worked with the Corps of Engineers to make this happen. And uh, again, when they purchased the pier and turned that in the boat club that turned out to be that's going to be really beneficial now if they can just come up with some partnership that will make it so we can put slips all the way from the dock bar south all the way to harrison the harrison ramp uh hampshire ramp Mm -hmm. but if we can just do something there where we can make the boats there on a regular basis I think that's something that would be uh, very beneficial as well. So can you raise your hand tonight at this meeting and say, can we make sure that everything is uh, mowed landscape <laughs> properly? Remember, there was such an issue with overgrowth and mm-hmm. uh, at all the dock locations. So it's kind of like, well, yeah. don't do don't do one without the other because right. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's all. Got, it, it all has to be hand in hand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, the, and again, once that once the Bay Project kind of comes to fruition and we see the results of it, then maybe that's when, you know, the riverfront can then sort of get a little momentum once you see, hey, it we can actually have a bunch of boats down here now. Yeah. So that's... Is again, the marina still owned by the Park District? Yes, the Park District. Island, like that whole yes. area The Park still. District is the one that is putting on this survey. It's the online survey. So like tonight when he goes to this, you're going to see this tomorrow after it happened, is the public input like yeah. where you can yeah raise your hand and ask questions but if you can't attend to you know because it's in the past right now um you i think can still access that online sure. until that survey is going till i believe march 9th i'm not for sure it started february 9th so your input is available and that's right. all through the quincy 
park district, mm-hmm. right? And then is this like a is this a master plan? Uh, so they're creating it, or it's already done? It's and they're, okay, that's what we're looking at tonight. Okay. We're going to look at the, the created plan. Oh, so there's no more input, but they still want input just to kind of look at and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah, this has been in the works for a while. And the Corps of Engineers has signed off on it, and that was who we had to get to sign off on it because they control anything that happens on the river. But this Quincy Area Bay Project rehabilitation, blah, 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 it's like QA, BFR, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) That is a private group that is come together? Yeah, they're the ones. And the Park District's part of it, and they're the ones that have put the whole – thing together gotcha but it's all uh, they're the ones who've who've made this um who've worked with the corps of engineers and worked with the park district to make this thing a reality so we should you know start really seeing some progress on it here uh again this this open house and i know they're also having the uh upper mississippi river uh association meeting and all this stuff's hand in hand at the oakley lindsay center the next couple of days so it's a chance for people just really come in and see what it is all about and what's going to happen here once uh, once they get it done so no i think interesting yeah no it's 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 really cool and uh, again i think it is something that can really be beneficial and to just again once again just stressing the fact that although it is not the the riverfront project is not directly a part of this the riverfront as a whole could benefit from it if the uh, mitigation if the uh, if, if the sedimentation if the bay just stops filling up yeah and the riverfront stops filling up and they're able to actually put boats there that's the whole that kind that's how it kind of goes hand in hand so well, I'm no scientist, but I say uh, sounds good to mm-hmm. start. There's always, I mean, my my brain always says, "What's what's the matter here?" The revival of river rats. Oh my gosh, good I love it. To me, yeah, yeah, I love being. I mean, that was a big part of my, you know, yeah, same. formative years. I think just growing up. I mean, it's something cool, uh, albeit you know a little bit dangerous at times. Absolutely. But it's like, so as I was saying, yeah. that, I was like, I'm sorry, mom and dad. Yeah. Like, but I, I know, mean, I know you didn't know that, but, but I don't want to see it just go away. I want yeah. people who, you know, that's been their hobby, their lifestyle. I want them to be able to have that. Plus if it's going to be good for, um, you know, habitats and mm-hmm. wildlife and Quincy as a whole. Yeah. Why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we do this? So I'll be interested to see, uh, what arguments come out of this because it's always like there's always two sides to every story there are a lot of there are a lot of folks though who are normally um against this kind of thing who are actually for this kind of thing because it's something they like good well if there's one thing i can get behind it's something that unifies our community that is 100 percent certain yeah so hopefully this does it yeah i feel like this has been coming for a long time we've needed that one thing maybe this will be it (laughs) hey who knows well Speaking of that, we have a guest who, that's kind of her shtick too, her yeah. goal. She, she wants uh, people to all uh, kind of get together and wants the whole community to work together. That's and we're going to have forward. a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun talking to her. Yeah. And we'll be doing that coming up next. All right. The Liquor Booth is your home for a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits. The Liquor Booth has two locations in Quincy, 3520 Broadway and 1500 North 12th Street. The Liquor Booth, where it's always happy hour. Ambi Properties is Quincy's largest apartment rental company with hundreds of units available. They offer short-term and long-term rentals with one up to four bedroom apartments. AMB Properties meets the needs of its tenants with care, compassion, and a quality of service that exceeds expectations. AMB Properties also has a convenient tenant app for you to do your payments or make repair requests. 
Give them a call today. A&B Properties, 217-919-8080, Quincy. I didn't realize that it was reservation only, so I was like, I mean, if they it's turn us Valentine's away, Day. I know, but I, did, I figured, you know, maybe they had a couple tables that were like just for, you know, wanderers like me. <laughs> I made shrimp fettuccine alfredo. I saw that. Fettuccine alfredo. So that was Ellen fancy. liked it, so that was good. And did the flowers. It was like a pink so. sauce, though, wasn't it? She had the pink sauce. I had the alfredo sauce. Oh, okay. She likes the vodka sauce. Yeah, I like the, uh, the alfredo. I like the, yeah, just... Yeah. So, but then, like we, so we had leftovers. But I was like, "Why don't we eat leftovers today? I want to eat leftovers for lunch on Friday because it's shrimp." And then, so she mixed it all together. She's like, "I mixed the pink sauce with the white sauce. Is that okay?" I'm like, it's fine. "Yeah, it's not a deal breaker. <laughs> I, I'm leftovers. I'm good." So, right. So Macy a- Ferguson Smith, welcome. Yeah, Thank you. love okay. having you aboard. Okay, <laughs> so we were talking about what to officially. Uh, I get so your title with Quincy Medical Group is behavioral therapist and senior advisor of DEI and health equity. Ta-da! And yes. as I like to call it, a change maker. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, because it's a long title, but in essence, what you're doing is changing the lives of people that you come in contact with on a on a variety of levels, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Don't be mo- don't be modest. I know. Yeah, That's no, yeah. Saying. You know, it's a team effort. It really is. Bro. When someone pats you on the back, just grab their hand and say thank you. Right? That's I'm what learning. I think. I'm learning. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So, as a uh, behavioral therapist, I'm sure you've seen um, or been inundated. I guess probably since you know the the change in. I guess I don't know what for for lack of better word scenery in. Um, I guess, community, in Absolutely. society, in, sure. you know, just everywhere, right? Yes. So what do you think, um, what do you think is probably, when did you start doing this? Let me start there. When did you start as? Oh, when did I start at QMG or when did I start being a therapist? Therapy, yeah. Uh, so that would have been like 2017. 2017. Uh, yeah, I started out at Chaddock. I'd been direct care there for a while, um, met my now wife there. And, you know, still work there a little bit for them sometimes. Do you? Uh-huh. Excellent. Yeah. So 2017 to now, you've gone through an entire, uh, it seems like a world of change. Absolutely. Right? Through, uh, I, I don't even like to bring it up because it's so <laughs> blah, but COVID pandemic, you know, you've mm-hmm. seen the change in uh, technology. Um, mental health has taken a huge hit across the board. Uh, what do you think from 2017 to now, if you can give me just a quick synopsis of, uh, something that has not changed, but something that you've seen just a huge spike in. So COVID was really interesting. Yeah. Um, I can remember when it was deemed that mental health was essential and I didn't exactly know what that meant. Uh, I was like, okay, so does that mean that we stay open and then what? But we didn't know as much what was going on. Um, and so from 2017 to I would say 2020, I always believed in mental health. Like I believed in behavioral health and thought everybody should get behavioral health and uh, see someone regardless of where they are in life. But when it was announced that it would be essential, I was like, oh, okay, this is gonna bust the doors wide open. Like, what are we gonna do now? And the wait list has not- Hasn't subsided. Since. Yeah. And so that's been the biggest change of like, everyone wants mental health, which I think is beautiful, but there aren't enough of us. So you're saying that the, if, if anything good came from the pandemic, it was the fact that people realized they needed this help. Absolutely. Okay. 
I was been looking for a silver lining to it for a while. Yeah, I know so that's right. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm yeah, glad you I found one. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's so some of the question that I have around mental health is yeah, it's kind of like anything else. Do you think that it is uh, because I, I mentioned that there's a spike, but do you think that that's the case, or do you think it's just being talked about more because it's mm. more widely accepted to bring it to the forefront? I do think there's more awareness, okay. and TikTok was huge Big. for that. I had a lot of students on TikTok, and I, I was against it for a really long time, but then they started coming in with, I think I have this, or can you talk to me about that? And I didn't know what they were talking about. Um, so I had to get TikTok to understand algorithms and things. Interesting. Um, and it was an incredible tool. It can be harmful mm -hmm. in the same sense, mm -hmm. uh, but it was really interesting to see how people were connecting around mental health and then bringing it into their doctor's office, asking for referrals to behavioral health, asking for referrals to specific therapists because they wanted to work through some things. Yeah. You know, there was something about being at home or being wherever we were um, and having a lot of time to think. Yeah. There were a lot of people that wanted to talk to someone. So when you look at social media and you say, this is something good that came from TikTok, it's a pretty fine line mm -hmm. when you deal with Twitter, X, whatever, Facebook, all the stuff. It's a fine line of too much, what's beneficial, and what can be bad. Because you've got, with Instagram and TikTok, you've got people who can, you know, body shame. And you've got Absolutely. people who can just be downright mean on mm -hmm. X. It's still social media. It's still social media. Still yes. So, where is, that, where is that balance? I know that I have really tried not to be a complete jackass on social media. I just mm -hmm. kind of, for the most part respond or don't respond or because when it first came out i would say stupid stuff and then i realized that was very harmful so what where is the what is, what is that fine line and how do people navigate it i think everybody's got a different threshold but what's most important is that everybody has to realize the the, the facebook keyboard warrior thing only can go so far i enjoy therapy because i'm having face-to-face -face conversations even if it's over telehealth mm -hmm. like i'm talking to another person and i think sometimes we get either like very brave or and i went through this too when i was in grad school i was fighting everybody in quincy Illinois. it seemed like at one point um uh on different subjects and different sure. things and uh you get burnt out and, and you want to have conversations with people you want to talk to another human uh and i think that's what gets lost in social media a lot of times 100 like, percent. we don't talk to people that way i would hope right the yeah, way yeah. That we type right on facebook but, that, but that's just i me. heard something interesting and it was like you know when you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation you are expected to react right away mm -hmm. and i think that has translated negatively on social media because people still associate it with face-to-face -face conversation even though you're not there so your instinct is boom i gotta respond mm -hmm. right away without thinking about repercussions without thinking about the the person that's standing in front of you and i think yeah the physicality taken out of that uh, impulse or uh, that is very dangerous, right? right? Uh, so when you're talking to people, you know, in, in your office or at Chaddock or, or even, you know, anyone you meet, do you think that, um, well, I'll just ask, do you think social media as a whole is a detriment or a positive thing? And it doesn't have mm. to be, it, it shouldn't be a case by case basis because I think overall there is an answer to it what do you think I think it can be both I think in my experience my lived experience in my profession what I'm seeing with young people right now it's a detriment yeah um, I, I wish I were seeing more positive things specifically with TikTok, specifically specifically with um, some of the bullying that's been going on some of the rumors that start how quickly um, people start talking about one another the accessibility so now 
were almost always accessible, and it didn't used to be that way. You used to have to call the landline to call your friends. Right, talk to your parents. You used to have to be outside yeah. on your bike, and then, like, yeah. come inside. You know, there were all these things that we used to do that no yeah. longer happen because we're so accessible, and that, to me, um, has not been the greatest with our teen population. I think for adults, it's open. Adults has opened things up um, in a lot of different ways, where there's like support groups and these other things. But, but our brains are formed, right? Like we're right. older than 27, uh, 25 or 27. I can't remember. But for our teenage population, for our adolescents, I, I wish. I mean, we're we're due. Uh, at the end of next month, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't even want to think about phones. Oh, you're having a baby? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah, as far as scary, like, incredibly, it's yeah, scary to think about it, right? Like to think about it, however many years we're going to be talking about phones, and I'm like, I don't want you to have one, right? But you'll probably need one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So how do we? How are we yeah. going to do that? Okay. Therapist, what right? age? Yeah. What age? Right. Well, uh-huh. and then that kind of toes another fine line that is, you know, you mentioned age, and our brains are fully formed. Do you think that there should be an age threshold? Uh, and and, and how do you balance that with censorship and mm. giving people, you know what I mean? Right. I think it just has created this whole different discussion. Absolutely. So with your child, and you won't know until <laughs> this becomes an, becomes right. an issue probably, but uh, if you look at other parents, and don't say you don't judge because I know we all do, uh, what would you say to a parent of a child of, say, like a 13-year-old? What, as a mental health mm-hmm. profession professional what would you say to someone uh who's giving their daughter or son a phone at the age of 13 i i would ask them if they know their kid yeah do you know your kid do you have a relationship with them because that's going to be the most important thing what we know about adolescents is that they're going to do some things the brain is not, like we said the brain is not all all the way there yet so they might act out they're going to do these things that stress you out but do you have a relationship with them that when they're in trouble um or something's going on and they don't have an answer will they come to you yeah. That's going to be the most important thing. I love that. Um, if we have a relationship with our kids, if, if we pour into them, you know, if, if we really commit to being the parents that we know we can be, I don't know if there's as much to worry about. But if we leave them to their own devices, literally and figuratively, yeah. um, I, I don't know if that's the best thing. Right. I uh, I agree. I'm not into, like, usually government mandates or government controls and stuff like that. But you, there is a minimum age to drink. There's a minimum age to smoke. There's a minimum age to do what the legal drugs if you will should you have to be 18 to rent a porn yeah <laughs> now it's everywhere you know what I mean? but <laughs> there should yeah. be a minimum age where you should be able to be on social media because yes. that is just as addictive as everything else and you know it, that's just when when you see kids with young kids having social media accounts and mm-hmm. stuff you know you can still i get to having a phone when you're younger just so you can get a hold of your mom and bed hey soccer practice ended early come pick me up yeah. i get that totally is. get yeah. that yep. but for them to have these all these uh, accounts and all these all this access when they're preteen it's right. just well and you it, can't it's, it's it's too much and it's just as addictive as all that other junk i talked yeah. about before yeah and you can't really, so they say parental controls and things, but you can't say, I mean, so you talked about the algorithm. Mm-hmm. You don't get to pick and choose what pops up on your kid's phone if you're right. giving them access to TikTok or Snapchat. Right. or. So it is really, really dangerous. And I, I can't even imagine what you go through on a daily basis, um, you know, speaking with kids and, and working on these behavioral health issues. But I do, what you mentioned uh, in a couple of your interviews uh, previously with Muddy River News about community Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, speaking one-on-one and having those face-to-face conversations. I am 100% a proponent of uh, bring back that 
face-to-face community feel absolutely um which it, it's funny that we talked about the the riverfront bringing you know maybe it's going to be the one thing that brings quincy back together because i think everything is kind of polarized mm-hmm. um be it you know because of media be it because of actual issues whatever the reason the polarization is there right. uh speaking of polarization you have been you were selected, right? Let's talk about your fun job now. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's get it. So, yeah, you were selected. I'm going to totally butcher this, so I apologize. But it's basically a group of 100 individuals worldwide, right? Nationwide. Nationwide. Yes. Nationwide? Okay. U.S. U.S. Um, and it, what is the name of this group? Leaders USA. Leaders USA. And it was formed by... The Obama uh, Foundation. Yes, the Obama yes. Foundation. So what exactly is this group? Mm-hmm. And what are you doing to tackle some of these these wow. issues that we're talking about? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, big talk. It it was probably the most wild six months of my life, but it, it also most incredible. I would definitely call it a highlight um, of my very short career thus far. Um, and basically, they, like they picked a hundred change makers. Uh, and they got us every Friday for about two and a half to three hours um, to talk about speaking across differences. How do you build bridges? Um, how do you talk to someone who has completely opposite beliefs? Um, and a lot of my reasoning for applying for the program is because I might disagree with a lot of folks that live here, but I've lived here my entire life and Quincy is my home. So how do I stay in Quincy with Quincy as my home, despite right. it being so polarizing? How do we talk about our differences and still get back to this community isn't what it used to be. And I think a lot of people feel that, um, and they may feel differently about that, about why it's not the way that it is anymore, um, but how can we come back together? And uh, the program was a lot about that. I mean, they, they want to save democracy. Um, they want folks to talk to each other that have differences. Uh, and I think I talked last time about how, I mean, if we remember 2004 and, and even between 2004 and 2008, uh, we had then Senator Obama down here doing things. Um, in dining halls, eating spaghetti dinners. I think he was at the Revan Lee Center. Made right. Yeah. I, I saw the Made Right one. I saw the Made Right one. I'm sure he was with Long on Noah too. <laughs> but he was, he, I saw him in Made Right. But I mean, I mean, he was here like kicking it. And you don't, you don't necessarily see that from politicians as much anymore. Um, and, you know, despite him being the first black president and all of those things, he still made time uh, to come and talk to folks in West Central Illinois. Um, and I thought that was big even back then. And so when this program opportunity came up, uh, I figured that if it, there was anything that I was going to try and do, it was going to be that. Right. Because uh, it, it spoke. It, it was aligned with sure. who I am as a person. Sure. So as far as the issues you mentioned, um, you know, that that it's different and then we want to get back. What do you think are some of the issues, some of the bigger issues facing not just Quincy, but mm-hmm. everywhere? What do you think are some of the, the issues that, you, that you're hoping to change? We are often just like not even having the same conversation. You know, we will start with an issue. You know, we, we start with DEI, right? And then it's, no, this is reverse racism. And then there's the other side that says, no, 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 this is really good business practice. Like this is good for everybody. But when we sit down to talk about it, we're often not talking about the same thing. Right. Um, and so a lot of the program was built around how can you stay in it? How can you not get burnt out? What are the compassionate practices that you can use for yourself and others that allow you to speak to people who may not have even ever met someone like you before? Sure. Um, and that, that's hard to ask people to do. I think that's why they had people apply. It's like, we're not just gonna pick random people. We're gonna do, we're gonna do this with folks that like have a little bit of experience in that already and have already shown um, maybe some successes, right? Even if small ones, because 
yeah, I considered myself small success in Quincy, sure. Illinois, compared yeah. to some of the other folks. Um, but I think that there's a lot that we don't even understand about each other, and we have to get to know one another. It's really, really difficult for someone to say that you don't like an you know entire race or uh, something like that if you have to work alongside someone. Uh, and so that's what I try to do in this community is I try to work alongside with lots of different people so that um, w they have exposure to other types of personalities, other different people. Um, and, and so far, it's been okay. Of yeah. your uh, Leaders USA group, I'm assuming you were in the uh, minority in terms of rural representation. <laughs> yeah, <a> <laughs> absolutely. As a matter of fact, um, everybody else in the Illinois cohort is up north. Yeah. <laughs> and I was the yeah. only one from the cornfields. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> so, uh, I definitely rep the cornfields uh, pridefully, you know. Yay. Strong. Yeah. Um, every single uh, meeting that we had on Friday. And we even got. Uh, the small group I was a part of got t-shirts and hoodies made from the cornfields to crabs collective. There, <laughs> were, awesome. there were people in Boston too that I was in a group with. So yeah, oh, that's like, amazing. Like, we, we were kind of into it. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. So uh, when you're in this group and it's the the meetings are done now, right? Is that right? Yeah, okay, they're well on to picking the next cohort. We are graduated into the alumni network. Yeah, we're done. Okay, <laughs> so do you think? Um, you know, the, the goals moving into that and the Obama Foundation, do you think that those goals are being met? Do you think that, I'm sure there's work to do, right? Sure, because sure. it kind of never ends. Right. Uh, but what do you think outside of community leadership or conversation, what do you think you got out of that primarily? Oh, the connection. Yeah, okay. I mean, ta talking with other people um, who are also solving, like, really, really dense issues in their areas. Like, I, I don't know a whole lot uh, outside of what my family tells me about what's going on in Cook County. But, I mean, there are some change makers that are just, like, knee-deep every day yeah. in just trying to make it a better place, regardless of who they're talking to. Um, and, and that's what gives me hope. Because, you know, we can get hopeless. We can uh, get burnt out. We can think that, oh, you know, it's never going to change. Yeah. Like, I, I can say that all the time. Like, Quincy's never going to change. But it's changed a lot, you yeah, know, even yes. in, since COVID. So, you know, we don't want to get burnt out in those ways. But having those other folks that are trying to tackle issues um, and those connections, I know that I can lean on them if I need them. They're now part of my family and uh, my support network. I mean, that is absolutely paramount. Yeah. You excellent. know what the, the biggest problem is? <laughs> what, what color is that cup? That, that, that it looks red. It's blue. Well, it's blue. Yeah. You know, you're not going to tell me it's not blue. It's right? blue. Right. It's blue. Yeah. That's the problem. Different conversation. That is the Absolutely. total problem. Everybody has their own facts and their own whatever. Yeah. It's a red cup. And it's like, can I'm we agree saying. that it's a cup? Yeah. <laughs> right. No. There you go. No. It's yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, you know, that's like a bowl. That's, that's how we have no, to do that. Then the other person wants to fight and yeah. go, it's a bowl. Right. Okay, so I think that that is a very valid point, and I do think, and I, I'd love your opinion on this, so as you have change makers that are working hard every day to try to eliminate, you know, some of those walls and, and uh, you know, cut down on the polarization, what do you think that legacy media, mainstream media, mm -hmm. what do you think about what is happening there, and do you think that, um, do you think that that plays a part in how we can kind of overcome that, I guess, is what I'm oh, asking. absolutely. I mean, m media literacy has never been more important. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I hope it's being taught a lot more and at a lot younger levels, even for the social media stuff that we were talking about earlier. Um, but I encourage folks to read. Uh, and you can ask a lot of different folks that work with me at QMG. I'm always encouraging a book, a podcast, um, it's to try and make time for those things. Because if you don't know the history of something or like if we don't know where to start how can we have the conversation again right. we want to have the same conversation we want to have the foundational knowledge oftentimes folks just don't know yeah um, and they don't know what they don't know right and so there are resources that are out there 
but we have to read from many different sources. Yeah. Like we can't just read from who we like. We sure. can't just watch who we like. And that sometimes becomes a problem. For it people. is, yeah. And it's, I think it's almost um, force-fed in, in some areas. And I'm not saying that, you know, in one area or another or one minority or another. I think that it's just very easy to find what you agree with and right. then run with it at 100 miles an hour. Absolutely. And then anyone who doesn't agree with you, well, we're on social media fighting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I do think that whatever you believe and whatever you watch, you do need to have multiple sources of That's truth. Uh, I also understand how hard it can be to find quote unquote truth. Mm-hmm. So if you were to talk to a patient who is struggling, let's say I come in and I'm like, I'm struggling with where to find uh, my truth. And I, you know, I know I can listen to podcasts and I know I can read books, but I'm not even sure what's true anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a bigger, um, it's, it's got a huge impact on mental health that you don't even know what's true anymore, or what to believe. Right. Right. So if I were to come in and talk to you about something like that, which I'm really freaking close to, let's be honest, uh, what would you, what advice would you give me or how would you kind of mm-hmm. talk me down from that? I mean, I guess yeah, I'm just, I struggle yeah. with that as a person. I know I'm not alone. Absolutely. I, turn it off. That, that's what yeah. we would do first. Take yeah. a break. Take a break. Because when you start to talk like that, you're getting close to burnout. When we're starting to question, you know, kind of like our own reality, it's almost like, um, the, we feel like we're being gaslit yeah. by the media. So so we have to take a step back. We have to take those steps back to take care of our own mental health. And then why is it so important? You know, what what is it about this thing or this truth? What are we trying to seek? Um, and how does that apply to what you do day to day? Because if this is something that we're just like down a rabbit hole, we have got to find ways to put up boundaries so that we're not spinning our wheels every night till like 2 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. When it comes to this year, which is, of course, an election year, are you of the mind that, oh, we'll be okay, the republic will endure, or you're like, oh, my God, there's no way in hell we're surviving this year mm. in this election? I mean, I, I, leave, I leave those opinions to <laughs> seeing what other people do. Um, yeah. I'm a big proponent of, like, I, I sit back and observe. Just I, That's probably part of my job coming out in me, too, that – I base that on what's going on around me, if we're going to be all right. Because I know I'm going to be all right. Like, I've got a pretty strong foundation. I've got wonderful family friends um, who love me and care about me. But I know that not everybody feels that from the folks in their life. And I know that not everybody has that. So they might slip into hopelessness a little easier. And so if I'm measuring it by hopelessness, mm, we seem pretty hopeless right now on both sides. And so if we were able to decrease the hopelessness, maybe everyone starts to feel better. But it, but but it, it's looking a little hopeless right now. I try to focus on what's happening here. Yeah, I try in your not garden. to look at all the crap. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. eventually it's going to affect us at some point, right. just depending on what happens come November 5th or whatever. So Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a, it, I think yeah, it is important to, to tend to your own garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think it's important to have an awareness about what's going on around you because I think that that does kind of also create connections. You don't want to be blind to the fact that there is a bunch of bullshit happening in the world yeah. uh, but you also can't let that influence your everyday decisions and be scared and and freak out and make these decisions you know left and right but I do think awareness is important mm-hmm. um, one thing that so we were talking about this and I know we like to keep it local but yeah, I am absolutely. very curious about your thoughts on this so we were talking about um, okay so President Biden you know I I'm not going to put words in anyone's mouth. I'm going to say my opinion. I think he is um, not fit for his current position just based on what I see. And who knows if that's true or not. Sure, but sure. based on what I see, I feel like he um, 
they're putting him in a position they I don't even know who they are to be made a laughing stock or you know and from what I see he's having major health issues and if I were his wife I would say get the hell off that stage you know just as being quite frank uh, but if he is out even before the election and someone replaces him that would be the speaker is that or no the vice president Kamala yes okay Kamala Harris Kamala Harris. Harris yes um the kind of the word of what I see is the next um, candidate may very well be Michelle Obama. Oh, <laughs> do you have any say? Do you have any like yeah. really? So that shocked you? That okay, that is yes. Conspiracy theory oh. That is there, it, yes. it's on okay. the side of okay. okay so um, you know Kamala Harris will come in. Mm-hmm. Um, she won't be the candidate that they put forth mm-hmm. because. She hasn't done a fantastic job of even representing. But maybe she. Anything, but, but she's. Enti- I mean, if something happens to the president, she becomes president. That's how it works. Right. Yes, but I'm talking yeah. about then they, as but, far as candidacy. Right. Then, well, then, we, if okay, if if President Biden is incapacitated, uh huh, then it would go to the Democratic convention, and then the Democratic convention can pick whomever they want. Right. My Same question, on the Republican I guess, side. My if, question is, how likely do you think it would be Michelle Obama? I think her name is being tossed around a lot. I, I don't you haven't heard it? it? I, I don't. I don't <laughs> Damn really it. Have, I, totally know, I, let me down there because I, I was, think you I, heard it. See, I, I, I feel like yeah. In, in my in my circles, when we when the, when those things do come up, it, it's it's very much so just one of those things where like, would would they put their family through that again? You know, like yeah. it was it was. Um, yeah, because she was ready to yeah, once once like it, once it the president when President Obama was done, she was like, "I want out of here." For a while. <laughs> really? Yeah, you know, she was. was. Kind of rough. Um, but and also, she's got two. She's, they're great. <laughs> the same thing though is on the Republican side. If if we're going through uh, leading up to the Republican National Convention and President former President Trump gets found guilty of something and has to go to jail, yeah, then the Republicans can put somebody else in there. So. Well, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, right now, yeah, it looks like it's going to be Trump and Biden again. But we don't know. Yeah, I posted Fair. something on my story today. Just Fair. I put, I want to see how this ages because it's someone making predictions. Okay. And I just want to see what's going to happen. But I do think that Michelle Obama, I mean, if, I've never read her books. I know she did some good things while uh, President Obama was in office. And I know that... Um, I mean, I'm a woman, hear me roar kind of thing. So I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe she would be a good candidate to put out there. A woman certainly couldn't do any worse than what we've had over the last few years. Okay, thank you. I'm I'm fine with a woman being president. Let's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's not even just the the woman aspect. It's it's, just that she's... I want the best qualified person in there, period, end of story. Yeah. And again, I think there should be an age limit where you have to be, you can't, you know, once you're 72, you're done. No, no Senate, no Congress, mm-hmm. no, 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 no White House. There should be, an, there should, we are at the point we should have an age. Amen. Done. Mm. Yeah. But and everybody else should be qualified up until that point. 36 to 72. There's your window. Yeah. Go be president. Go be president. <laughs> go to go do the things. <laughs> Only if they're mentally capable. Well, yeah, I feel like they're, yeah. So that's been kind of a teetering point i think but i, I just thought maybe because you're you got the in with the obama foundation i was like oh, well, give me the right, scoop you girl you cell phone number can you just yeah <laughs> <laughs> me on the side like, macy what'd you say macy what's up secrets are hey, hey, macy i saw you listen, on yeah. you know my son might send it to somebody who might send it to you somebody never you never know, know so. you never know never but, know um just no thank you for coming by though yeah. you're it's always fun to talk to you yeah. i always look forward to talking to you good luck with the baby thank yeah. you yes. after you get that all settled down and everything come back and see Yes. Yes. 
Absolutely. And yeah. uh, no, it's it's always a lot of fun. Again, yeah, health and blessings to the child oh, and yeah. you and your wife. I yeah. mean, that's important. And thank you for so. being a change maker. I know you you didn't want to you know title yourself as that, but I do think that anyone creating uh, you know a foundation for conversation and human interaction is definitely making some positive changes. So keep it up. Thank you for everything you've done so far. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for having me. Of on. course, absolutely. absolutely. Thanks for watching.